This first story is about an ordinary boy who grows up in relatively normal times to find himself thrust into an extraordinary position. Growing up in suburban Boston, he enjoys the trials and tribulations that all adolescents go through, from the seemingly tyrannical mother to girl problems to run-ins with the law. From there, he escapes to college out in Colorado with his best friend Paul, where they begin to forge new relationships with those around them. It is one girl in particular that has caught the eye of Michael, and he alternatively pines for her and then laments of meeting her. It is on their true first date that things go strangely askew, and this is where the story takes a paranormal twist. Mike soon finds himself aboard an alien vessel fighting for his very survival. The aliens have devised gladiator-type games. The games are of twofold importance to the aliens. One reason being for entertainment value. The other reason being is they want to see how combative humans are. They want to discover our weaknesses and our strengths. They want to better learn how to attack and defeat us. The battles are to the death on various terrains that are computer-generated. Follow Mike as he battles for his life, and Paul as he battles to keep Main Street USA safe as we dive deep into book one of Indian Hill Encounters. This is the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. And uh, let me put my little cheat sheet up here in the corner that I can see the way I am. So what kind of dog you got, Nick? I got a Shepherd Great Dane Cross and a Borble Mastiff. So you got some big ass dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're my apocalypse dogs if ever shit ever hits the fan. That, that backyard must be fun to clean. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> it was three bags a week ago. Wow. Damn. Yeah. It's it's such a popular, uh, unpopular thing that I don't know if they have it down where you are, but there's businesses up here that will literally just go and pick up the dog shit and then weigh it and charge you monthly for it. Yeah, they, do. they have one here. They come every like two weeks and they charge you. It's like 20 bucks per dog. Mm-hmm. But just it? with the size of the dogs, it's just too much of a hassle. <laughs> I <Yeah>. feel bad. <laughs> I gotta pay you guys forty bucks. <laughs> no. All right. So, hi everybody. How we doing? Amazing. Good. We got one more person that might pop in around seven thirty. It's not uh nine thirty. It's not Mark. I don't know if Mark's coming on tonight. He always has an open invitation, but. uh one of the the other guests that was supposed to be on, it's like, I put my kid to bed at six, which is nine hour time. He's like, I might be there by 6.30. I'm not sure. Or 7.30. I don't know. I'm, me trying to do time zone conversions is, is you know, I gave up on math in school decades Get ago. Up. So Get up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're all fans of the Indian Hill series, I take it. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All yeah. Mark's work. Yeah. Yeah. So Amber, tell us how long you've been listening. Do you are you audio? I take it everybody's audio because I emailed everybody and asked them if they had an actual copy of the book to send me the back cover. And everybody's useless to me, including myself. It, just everybody's audio. So I'm like, crap. So I'm, I'm trying to like Wikipedia it. You know, I, I painted myself into a, a corner with this new intro for the for the show, but we'll see how it goes. So your audio, I take it, mm-hmm. Amber. But how long have you been listening to Mark and how did you discover him? Oh my god, I've been listening to Mark like probably the last um eight, nine months maybe. Mm-hmm. And I actually started listening to him because of my wife. She um she was really into like a lot of self-help books and stuff like that. And I was like, babe, why don't you just calm down and listen to like a <laughs> a, a ran a random book? You know, like you like to listen to books other day, just find something random to listen to. Yeah. And she started reading um ZF one 
And she was telling me about it. And she was like, yeah, there's a zombie apocalypse. The main character, Mike, is crazy. And then she started talking about vampires. I said, pause. You don't have zombies in <laughs> You don't have zombies and vampires in a book. And then she starts telling me about Pop-Tarts. It's like, he, he hates Pop-Tarts and he's bringing up cherry Pop-Tarts. I'm like, you know what? I finished the series book that I was listening to, mm-hmm. fell into ZF and absolutely loved it. And then when I found out there were alternate uh, realities of Mark, I was like, well, he talked about Indian Hill a little bit mm-hmm. and ZF. I was like, why not jump into this series? And it's a shorter one. So I was able to like, you know, with this, I think it's six books. Yeah. I think it was shorter, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll invest my next Audible credit in this one." There you go, Nick. What about you? I started listening to Mark's books back in 2016. I was truck driving down the states, uh, doing custom harvesting, so I got sick and tired of listening to the radio all day. Mm-hmm. I started with all of Lee Child's books. I was a big fan of him, and then I was looking for something new to read. I've always liked to follow video games, so I typed in "follow" to see if there's some maybe some fan fiction out there, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So a zombie fallout. Eh, I'll give that a try. I like zombie within and I like fallouts. Within the first chapter, I was hooked. I think the minute that Mark went outside to go check his backyard mm-hmm. and stepped into dog shit, yeah. I was hooked from that point on. <laughs> you but had okay. me at dog shit. <laughs> you could relate. You could relate to going out in your backyard and stepping in a big pile of dog shit. That's what yeah. that was. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that would be my luck. So, but yeah, this guy, he got me perfectly. This is my new, new favorite author. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So, so you're a truck driver too? Uh, not right now. I'm working as a cab driver right for the winter. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm a wildlife monitor for a pipeline in BC in the summertime. Oh. Amber, what do you do for a living? I am a truck driver as well. And I also am an Amazon influencer. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. What do you want to influence? Uh, basically, what you do is you go live and review review products that are on Amazon and they have affiliate links underneath mm-hmm. it. So if um, people click on the links and then not necessarily buy what I reviewed or what I showed, but if they buy something, anything on Amazon, I get a review, I get a um, commission for it. Nice. So I already like, I already like giving my opinion. So why not get paid for it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a smart thing to do. <laughs> yes, but I am a truck driver first that pays the bills right now. So I've been doing that for like the last year. Yep. So it's like three truck drivers already here that just listen to audiobooks. That's how we all discovered it. So that's how I can knock them out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I've listened to Zombie Zombie Apocalypse twice. I'm on my third go around of Indian Hill. So each week now with each show that we're doing um a, a certain novel, you know, we're gonna do zombie uh Indian Hill one, two, three each week. Uh-huh. So I listen to it back at one point five speed and I'll listen to it twice from Thursday to Wednesday. And hopefully I remember it all. And then I make little notes on my iPhone. So because my, my memory absolutely sucks. So thank, God for, thank God for GPS because I hated map books. <laughs> I get lost all the damn time with an atlas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so what drew you to Indian Hill? A lot of people, um, and we've discussed this on previous shows, but we're kind of starting fresh with this now, that a lot of people didn't like indian hill because it was so slow to start um did you guys find the same problem I, like it, i honestly i don't understand where people come from like i love that kind of reminds me of like kind of stand by me a little bit stuff like that mm-hmm. i love that younger kids having fun because i was kind of saying same shit i did i was a little, i'm a little younger but kind of the same stuff growing up 
go play outdoors, stuff like that. So I, th- I love the beginning of it. And it's only, mm-hmm. what, two hours and 20 minutes till it actually picks up and you hear about aliens. Yeah. But, like everybody makes it doesn't seem like it starts to like halfway through the book. It's actually pretty early. Yeah. Like I didn't, I thought it picked up pretty fast. Amber, yeah, what I, about would you? Ab- I would absolutely agree with you. I think I love the, because I mean, even in ZF, like Mark can be a little long winded. And that's what I was a little afraid of in, um, in this book, but it picked up so quick. And I think, just the fact that they had to solidify uh, Mark's, I mean, um, Mike's relationship with um, with Paul and um, and uh, Dennis, Dennis, Dennis. Yeah. like he had to establish those core relationships, mm-hmm. and then he got shipped off. So it was yeah. like it was really fast, really like he could have went really in depth with everything that was going on in his college days and his home life and well, everything like that. It's on that, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I like the fact that it kind of like shot right to like banana sandwich stuff like it was there was a lot of content in that first book mm-hmm. yeah i i was i i was of the majority with a lot of people unfortunately where it's, i'm listening to it i'm like okay i saw the cover here i'm talking about indian hill i'm wondering like what is this book in my mind in the back of it when you read the be and i this is my my third go around to listen to it I never remembered the beginning of it where he says my name is michael talbot and i'm a colonel a general or whatever in the united earth force police because mm-hmm. he doesn't they don't talk about aliens i had no idea that it was an alien book when i first listened to it you wouldn't no <laughs> and i'm like all right they're building the story i get it i get it all right building the story building the story and then you get to chapter 12 and then finally they talk about there's something parked off the coast of venus you know and you're like mm-hmm. oh this is an alien story okay and then he mm-hmm. goes back to beth and you're like oh god can she just stop whining and you know stringing him along and whatever the hell she's doing we've all had those girls in our lives you know i love you i hate you i can't do this i want you no yes come back go away you know seriously <laughs> but i like the fact that when it got to the meat and potatoes of it it's 16 chapters in until you realize that it's um it's an alien invasion before he gets sucked up at red rocks and then mm-hmm. you're like, oh shit, okay, they're flipping the script. It it just got real. And and that's and I don't think it was till the third listen to for me that I fully understood and, and as I'm making notes, that I understood why he was building or if he meant to do this initially, the backstory with Paul and and Dennis with Wags. Because he needed it, to. Yeah, it, you realize after you listen to it the first go around or the second time around, you pick up things. Like when you see a movie, you, you pick it up more stuff the second or third time. Like, holy crap, I never, mm-hmm. you know, Luke and Leia, brother and sister, what the hell? When did that happen? You know, <laughs> you, you don't pick up on that. It's, it's not as obvious right away. So I noticed yeah. it afterwards that they're building Paul as being a little more aggressive and assertive and being the man that he turns into and why him and Mike are so at odds but they're also come back to each other where you're best friends after uh-huh. all the BS that you, you just put me through. Uh-huh. Agreed. Like, as a zombie fall, like everybody who came from zombie fallout, mm-hmm. they're obviously going to be expecting a similar story, but they don't need to develop Dennis and Paul like they needed to in Indian Hill. They had to have more of a backstory there as a, as a base. Otherwise it wouldn't have made sense. Right. With zombie uh-huh. fall, you can just do a flashback and it's all good. Mm-hmm. Indian Hill, it's like, well, why is Paul all of a sudden a general? Or um, what's the word? I forgot the rank already. <laughs> colonel. Colonel. It's like, how do you? Why is he a colonel? Like, how did this stoner hippie guy turn into this guy all of a sudden? 
But like with Zombie Followed, Paul was what? Just kind of a, not a loser, but a wimp. Yeah, he was. A regular guy who died by cats. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. If people realize by now that Paul gets eaten by cats and zombie fallout, you're watching the wrong show, kids. Okay, <laughs> a really weird but decent ending for Paul because I wasn't a big fan of his character in Zombie Fallout. No, it would have been nice to see him progress a little more, but it is what it is. I'm sure there's some personal reason as to why, and I know Marcus touched about it in past conversations, but. Killing Paul off with cats is just kind of like a ha ha, you know, to your buddy kind of thing. Yeah, like where the heck was that? That came right out of left field. <laughs> yeah, but I think he kind of. I think it's it's interesting if you read Z at first and then you see like how kind of flaky Paul's relationship was with Mike and ZF because like Paul definitely regretted leaving in the beginning of ZF. Like he regretted leaving Mike, but then he came back and tried to like renew their ties or whatever like oh i shouldn't have left yada 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 yeah. but in this one it's like they're best friends from like what is it middle school high school and it's like they just they their relationship is so tight but then adulthood and responsibilities is what is kind of separating them and they're both doing they're, they both have the same goal but they're mm-hmm. both going about it in different ways but their yeah. core relationship is what is really holding on by a thread because everybody's trying to cut that string between them two. that's holding them mm-hmm. together mm-hmm yeah. And it, it's a true testament to having those lifelong friendships. Like it it starts in high school. Actually, one of my my friends that I grew up with just turned 50. And I'm like, shit, we've been friends for 45 years. Damn. You know, and I speak to her once a year. I'm best friends with her brother, but I knew her first because we were in the same grade. Her brother was a year, year, year younger than us. Um, so I, I'll talk to her once a year. We'll message each other on each other's birthday. So twice a year, really. You know, it's like, holy shit, we've known each other for this year, it's like we've been friends for 45 years. We met in the bus stop. She lived down, they grew up down the street from me. And it's like you have those friends that you don't talk to all the time, but you have that bond and that friendship with them for your entire life. And I think uh-huh. that's what Paul, Mike, and um, Dennis yeah. have. Granted, it was high school, but that's when you, they say you kind of start to build those lifelong friendships. I got friends from high school that I'm still friends with now that I still hang out with. And, you know, we text all the day and, say stupid shit to each other for no reasons and our wives are all like you guys are like teenage girls you know like yeah we are you know but (laughs) the conversations are a little different yeah so Mm because paul and uh paul meets mike in high school Mm -hmm. Uh, mike's first day he's the new kid from boston ends up in the suburbs of walpole um an area you know i'm I'm all too familiar with because i'm from the area so it's kind of funny when i drive through walpole or see things in walpole i'm like was that in zombie fallout? Is that a part in this? Is that a piece of that? So it's kind of like a, a tour as I started reading them. Cause I didn't know Mark was from new England when I first started reading. I just, I saw zombie fallout zero and I listened mm-hmm. to free and I'm like, I love zombies. So I was like, this guy's pretty cool. Let me look him up. And uh, so Mike's in class with the teacher in a huge spitball, which I'm sure I'm guilty of doing, you know, hit the, hit the wall by the teacher and she automatically accuses mike of it because he's the new guy so Uh which is not untrue for this type of uh back in the 80s of what the boston school system was like the new kid got hazed and picked on even by the teachers you know no matter where you were from and as he gets kicked out another spitball hits the the wall and he paul gets kicked out and paul catches up to mike on the way down the principal's office and bang that's where their bond 
mm-hmm. starting. Oh, was it that or was it them Mike calling her a fat cow and Paul agreeing with her? That too. <laughs> that was the more painful moment. Yeah. So, yeah. So then Paul tells Mike, you know, we don't have to go to the principal's office. He's not going to know because she doesn't know how to use the intercom system. But I'm, I'm sure we're all of the age where we remember intercom systems back in the day before uh-huh. there were cell phones. And it was just a, a high complex tin box, you know, like going to the drive through. <laughs> That's still horrible. Yeah, push a button. Yeah, you know, sometimes they don't answer it or they don't do whatever. So, but, um, so they go up, Paul tells Mike about a secret place, which is the stop and shop, the roof of the stop and shop where they can drink some beers. And you don't notice, they don't talk about Indian Hill then, but it's still building their friendship, Uh building their friendship. Uh They, they get drunk together. They have fun together. They skip school together. They're building that bond and you're building a friendship in this. And he's building it in this story that when Dennis comes in, Dennis is a Yankees fan. Now, anybody from Boston knows that if you're a Yankees fan, you just don't do that. You know, I'm not sure what's like in in, in Philly. Who's the Philly rival? You're saying you're uh, Philadelphia, Cowboys. Right? Cowboys. And what about you, yeah. Nick? Uh, I'm Canada, so we're not big on baseball. Basically, yeah. if you're in Canada, you're basically a Blue Jays fan. If you're into baseball, yeah. So be- so who would your hockey team be, you know? I'm, I'm a bad Canadian, that's but I don't like hockey. But if, I'm in Alberta, Get out of the country. You don't like hockey. It'd be Calgary and Edmonton. Like, okay. The, so I, I'd be on Team Calgary and anybody else be Edmonton. So they'd be kind of the outsider because they're more north than we are. So Yeah. So, But they uh, Mike Bonds with Dennis because Dennis is the new guy and Mike was the new guy. Though, but it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. you're building that friendship, and that, that, I think that's what's important about the whole beginning of the story. So anybody who listens to or is reading it, and they all say, oh, "I gave up. I didn't like it. It was too long, too, too long winded. It wasn't." They automatically think it's going to be, you know, some assholes licking my peephole, page one, slipping and dog <laughs> shit in the backyard, and zombies are banging on the door. They didn't this give it a isn't the novel. It takes time mm-hmm. to build, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I think it's that reason that I. Feel Indian Hill would be a better series, TV series to do than Zombie Fallout. What do you guys? Think? I was actually going to say that at some point in the show. Yeah, like everybody every week, everybody is. Oh, we want to see a Zombie Fallout show. Indian Hill would be better, like way better. Yeah, like, I don't. Not... I... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm just like I can't really think of another show out there that really involves an alien invasion to the extent of Indian Hill. Mm-hmm. But there are zombie shows out there already. There's a ton uh-huh. of zombie shows. That's the problem. I mean, I love yeah. zombies. I try to watch everything I can. I, I watch the entire Walking Dead series and, you know, World War Z and all of those stuff. But I just think everybody's burnt out on zombies right now. And I think yeah. that's the problem. That's why I feel when I'm when I'm reading Indian Hill, I'm like, this would be such a great story because it's yeah. familiar, but it's not too familiar. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would <clears throat> agree with that, too, only because, like, also, like, ZF would be such a, it would be another Walking Dead. And it would, yeah. it, it would just keep going on and on and on and on. And mm-hmm. on. Like, my wife says all the time, I've been with my wife for 10 years, and she says Daryl's been in her life longer than I have. So it's like, <laughs> that's <laughs> mind blowing. And ZF, ZF would be just like that because it's just, there's so many different layers into it. But uh, Indian Hill would definitely be a better short story to get some more depth into it. But one thing we're not going to skip over is that. Uh, freaking trip was the one that took them to the liquor store to go get some more beer. Yep. 
That was on my next notes. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm guessing that was one of the parts because I talked to Mark today and I, I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, how much of Indian Hill did you write in college and how much of it was added after the fact, because he finished the book like 10 years later after he finished, mm-hmm. after he left college, after he did Indian uh, Zombie Fallout. And he said about two thirds of it was already written in college. So I'm guessing that that part there was added afterwards because Trip isn't isn't in, I don't think, any of the rest of um, Indian Hill. Yes. I think I have an earlier copy of Indian Hill. Mm-hmm. The hippie's name is Windstar. That's what he calls himself. Trip calls yeah. himself Windstar. Does he? Yeah. That's what it, he refers to himself. He's like, we got picked up by some hippie that refers to himself as Windstar. You know, and he said oh. his name is Trip or something like that along the line. So I, the, 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 I rewound that a couple of times to, to listen to that. In my so copy, there's no Trip. What were we going to say, Amber? Oh, really? oh, sorry. Um, so later on, Trip comes up in the in the in the um in the book as well when they're in the desert or something like that, and he comes up in this tractor trailer. And picked him up. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Ride carnival or something. I think it was. Yeah, yeah he has a carnival ride. Carnival ride on the back of his okay. on the back of his chapter trailer. Yeah. So he does come up then, but then in um, but in the beginning, I think it definitely had to have been added. But I could only tell because of his voice, and then he said it was a hippie. So I guess yeah. the same trip voice that it's always been. I'm like, oh, look at Trip yeah. just popping in to say hi to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "Be seeing you, Mike." You know, and they're like, "What the hell are you yep. using?" Yeah. Donor dude talking to me. I, so. I'd read a series on trip. I'll tell you that. I'd read a whole entire series on trip. Did you read uh this in a shrouded world? Yeah. Yeah. Did you do that one, Amber? Is that the one with the night walk? I mean the night runners, walkers. Night runners, whistlers that's like jumping in and I, out of timelines. <laughs> okay, I will I gotta be honest, that was very, very hard for me because it felt like Mike and Trip got this far, and then I had to wait for the other guy to catch up from his perspective. And then it's yeah. like Mike and Trip, and it's like him. I, it got, I was like, this is way too long. I, I, it was, it was confusing. Yeah, it was very hard for me to keep up with it. I will try it again, but yep. it, it was, it was way too much for me to try to get. I was like, yeah, I'm going back to like Demon Fallout or something. Like a Fallout. I'm going back to that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be an interesting, um, series to do when, when we start that one. Cause that's something I, you got to listen to at least two or three times to, to understand what the hell is going on. I'm only on my first run through it. I'm, I'm, my mind was still just like, what the F did I just listen to? My third picking up stuff that I missed the first two readers. It's like, <laughs> well, now that makes sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you put daughter in and all that. It just, it's like, holy crap. There's so much to keep. We almost had to take notes on that book. Not even just talk about it, just remember it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. lot. So. Yeah, I just I'm not invested in Jack Walker's life, so I don't really care. But it's like Trip and Mike is like, wow, I want to keep going forward with it, but it just wasn't it wasn't enough to hold me on to keep on going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's something I want to have John and Mark on um, if they'll come on together or separately or, or uh-huh. whatever. But definitely want to talk to John about it. Um, John O'Brien, yeah. who co-wrote it with Mark, about like how did you come up with all this? What is all this? What does this mean? What, what, what were you on while you two were writing this story? And you know, where do I get some? Yeah, you know? do your readers have to partake to, <laughs> to stay along? Is it like Dark Side life? of the Moon syncing it up to Wizard of Oz? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so uh, they get indoor suspension because uh, they finally go back to school a little bit mm-hmm. tipsy. They go back in school the next day and their indoor suspension, they have to sit outside the principal's office. 
and while sure. everybody walks by and laughs at them and snickers at them, whatever. I never, luckily, actually I did. I had, I'd had indoor suspension lunch, but it was kind of like, just like a free period. I never had indoor suspension, like for an entire three days of, uh, of, of school, you know, where you go in, in our school up here, it's, <laughs> you look like the kind of guy that would have got suspended for something. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we had, you just go and sit in the classroom and you sit there and read. That was all it was. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't talk and, you know, your back was to the door. So people would walk by to try to get your attention and you never could. Cause we'd always try to get our buddies in trouble. So <laughs> what did you get indoor suspension for Nick? Uh, I might've said something to a teacher. I shouldn't have Cause not quite along the same lines as Mike, but a little bit more harsh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she just, she pissed me off one day. I had enough. I was in a bad mood already. And yep. yeah, it was, I almost got an out of school suspension, but I got lucky as soon as I went down to the principal's office, sat there, he was on the phone. I was looking around his office. He's got a whole bunch of fishing pictures up on the wall. I'm like, okay. The minute he hangs up, where do you fish? <laughs> started talking about fishing. It's like, okay, for the next three, I think it was two or three days, I had to sit in, in the office mm -hmm. at a desk. Like I had literally like three or four desks in the office just for this. <sighs> sit there and basically do homework and read a book. That's so, too bad. That's terrible. I even told him after yeah. out of school. Do you ever get suspended in school suspension, Amber? No. Complete no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got outdoor suspension five days. I got in a fight. Um, the entire class went out the back side of the cafeteria one day after lunch. And so all the teachers knew what happened and me and this kid got in a fight and we got five days outdoor suspension and then indoor lunch suspension for the rest of the year but they put us in the same room it was like a, a, a study it was an electronics class that they put us both in to have indoor lunch suspension oh. which was just like okay the two kids that just fought each other you got to put them in the same room together which we discovered there was zero reason for us to fight because it was all our buddies agging each one of us on making up lies that you know he said this about you he said this about you he said this about you and then we got into a fight and we realized that's the fucking stupidest thing that's ever happened in our lives but you're in high school and you're dumb so you don't know any better you know, <laughs> high school like there's no good reason to fight in high school you think it's a good reason at the time yeah look back or just i was an idiot back then but whatever yeah. <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah so, so it's like you, you hear all these problems kids have and you're like oh you have no idea what problems are you know, seriously, seriously, I'm just glad social media wasn't a thing when I was in high school because that would have just mm, uh, that would ruined some shit. That would have been horrible. I mean, it was, that would have been bad. Was dumb shit I did as a kid, I'd be in a lot of trouble today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So, <laughs> so speaking of stupid things to do, uh, Mike and Paul, well, Paul comes up with the brilliant idea to get back at the principal. With the, it's the they call him Rat Sniffer. I can't remember what his actual Rat name Spindler. is. Rat Spindler. 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 And they're going to go to his house and they're going to spray paint his car or do something to it. He's got a brand new Cadillac that he absolutely loves. Mm -hmm. And they dress all in black and they go to the library for to study, to, you know, to have an alibi. And they sneak out the basement window of the library. And as they're lighting the, the it's because it's New England, it's frozen. The paint can is frozen. So they decide to put a lighter on it to warm it up. And that ignites it. And apparently in the 80s, there was a branded Cadillac where the exhaust would catch fire if a heat went up it. 
and the car caught on fire and exploded, you know, right outside of his house. So way to go, guys. Good thinking. That sounds like something that comes from experience while writing, in my yeah. opinion. I think Mike yeah. Mark actually did that in his life. He probably deny it because he legally he probably has to, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. My next conversation, I'm going to, that's, that's on my notes to ask him in the next interview. <laughs> like, did you really do, but I, honestly, it shows like how adolescent they are because nobody yep. in their right mind is going to put a lighter up to a fucking spray paint can. Like, you don't know I, boys I, that well then, do you? Because I would do that. I, they can, I, oh, it's, it's frozen. I have something that can <laughs> melt ice. Let me do this. I mean, I work with a lot of guys, so I can imagine them doing yeah. it. Even Especially now, being a teenage boy. Men, but yeah, yeah. I can, like <laughs> that. Yeah, that that was just banana sandwich. I'm I'm even surprised that they got away. Like something didn't happen where they like dropped their bag or something like that as the explosion happened. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm thoroughly shocked they didn't like get blown up in that. Yeah, and they made it back to the library, and uh, mm-hmm. you know everything all happened. So, but the the one thing that I I picked up on on the the second go around was Mike goes on a date with a girl. Um, she gets he get good. They go to an Italian restaurant. He saves up his paper route money, and then he goes to go on a second date. And she invites him back to her house to hang out in the basement to play ping pong. And Mike thinks that's mm-hmm. code for you know ping pong. You know what you do when mm-hmm. you're a kid in high school. And, Who would you, know, you go to a that's basement exactly with a, what with I a teenage think. girl. That's yeah, exactly what I would think. But she is actually wants to play ping pong and she's been taking lessons and Mike wipes the floor with her, which in my mind, I, I didn't realize it to the, the third listen that, oh, this is, this is setting up Mike being competitive, Mike at any cost being the guy that isn't going to lose, which helps him in the game, the gladiator games, mm. and that it doesn't matter what the, the, your opponent, you fight to win, you know? and that's you know he definitely he won the ping pong match but he lost in the relationship because she didn't talk to him after that she kicked him out of the house yeah his competitive his competitiveness must have been pretty damn strong for him to not even have the inkling of a thought to let her win yeah can just like there <laughs> look i would have been holding the ping pong up on the, on the thing yeah. upside down like mm-hmm how do I do this? Oh, I hit it on the wall. Uh, you're supposed to bounce oh, it off no. the wall. Is it racquetball? How does that mm-hmm. work? The entire time. The entire yep. time. <laughs> so, and then another uh, friendship building thing was when they had the party. Mike has a party at his house, and mm. Mike's parents are gone, and the house gets, you know, it's a high school party. So there's stuff everywhere. And Mike wakes up the next morning with a hangover, and Dennis is already cleaning up the house. And so uh, is Paul. Dennis and Paul. Yeah. 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 Which it Paul's in the bathroom cleaning up, which is never a fun thing. But it just sets that this is their bond, this is their mm-hmm. friendship before they even got to Indian Hill, discovered mm-hmm. the woods, the fort, and you know the Playboys and the Jack Daniels and all that stuff. That this is the friendship, and this is what you do for your friends when your friend is abducted by aliens. Um, you know, you don't know if he's alive or not, but you go and you start a militia to fight the world and try to fight aliens because you know something's up and they took your friend and you love your friend and you believe in your friend and you want to avenge your friend, you know, because that's what Paul thinks he's doing at the time when he, when he starts the, the Colorado state militia, you know? Yeah. 
I think it was like his initial, like that was his initial like thought process. Like something's going on mm-hmm. and I need to do something to like, at least start building, like actually working towards figuring out what the hell is going on. I'm doing it in the name of Mike, like mm-hmm. my best friend for so many years. That, that's why I always thought it was so weird. They didn't have better communication when he came back. Like, I always thought that was the weirdest thing ever. Like, it just didn't make sense at well, all. They they changed. Paul changed big time from the 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 the, the immature high school kid to a full blown you know colonel or whatever he and elected himself pretty much to to which, to be. Which is very understandable. Like he kind of got pushed into that position because, like he said, he's he was the only militia that was like any type of army soldier, anybody with a crew mm-hmm. of people that he trusted and connections all over the world like he was literally fell into this position but honestly i feel like his head got bigger than his cause yeah it did it did, definitely did so were you what were you gonna say nick i was just thinking like because both of them they come when they finally get back together again mike and paul they're completely different people than they were in college absolutely like, mm-hmm. only been about 18 months and all of a sudden mm-hmm. like it's two completely different people than they were like yeah they're still friends at the core of everything but they hardly even recognize each other at that point. Mm-hmm. Besides that base friendship, now none of their life experiences are the same. Mike really had to go and kill. Dozens? Tried to build in his friend's honor, but still doesn't exactly know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it still shows their friendship, but obviously everything has changed. Yeah, they do yeah. definitely do. A, they, they grow up a lot in that 18 months. Yeah. You know, Paul on the ground and Mike up in the the spaceship in the Gladiator games. Yeah, and I could just imagine, period, like, killing somebody would change you, period. Like, period. And he had to do that to survive, mm-hmm. plus the weight of everything else that he dealt with up on the ship. Like, it's it would absolutely change your psyche. Like, there's no if, ands, or buts. I think only his sarcasm stayed with him. That's the only thing that stayed the same throughout the yeah. entire, like, <laughs> throughout the changes. Yeah, I'm curious what the difference would have been if the aliens had a, like, later on, and I think it was in book two, they televised Durgan and Mike. Mm-hmm. What if they had done that right from the beginning? I'm just curious what the difference would have been between Mike and Paul, and even, like, the Earth, like, what the difference would have been in that situation. Good point. I didn't ever thought that, of it that way. That would have been a lot, because I, I think the, pre- I don't know. Because then would the president be like, oh, now we have to try to nuke them or figure out what the hell's going on there? Like, everybody would be aware of aliens then. And then, like, what are you going to do with the person that, like, it's okay to, like, Mike literally killed how many people while he was up there? Plus more. Mm-hmm. But if people actually seen him kill those people, they might react differently than hearing the story of him fighting to survive. Like, if you mm-hmm. say I fought to survive, it's a lot different than I killed 15 people in the gladiator game. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that, there's two different weights. And I'm sorry, some of the shit he did was quite gruesome. So it would, oh, yeah. it would, I, mm-hmm. I think people would have feared, I think people would have feared Mike instead of revered him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cause Paul, I think the relationship with Paul would have been better. But I think the rest of the planet would have looked at Mike as more of a bad guy than a hero at that point. I think, like I said, it would have helped the relationship with Paul relationship, and it probably would have helped Paul's cause if they knew what was going on, more than just trying to, hey, we think something's going on in space. Mm-hmm. All our friends disappeared from Red Rocks, but we don't really know. We have these pictures of the 
storms on Venus changing, but we have no idea. We have no proof anymore. But if they had evidence, maybe everything would have. Maybe Mike and Paul's relationship would have been so strained later on in the series. Yeah. Well, Paul. Paul yeah. We. I mean, you don't. We, we'll discuss this more next week um, when we do Indian uh, Hill Two. But Paul realizes and knows that Mike's been compromised, and he knows that the, they they messed with him a little bit. That the aliens implanted him with the tracker. You know, I they think he the, assumed it. I don't think he knew. I think he assumed it. He was right, yeah. but I feel like he assumed it. Okay. They need to hook him up to something though, like do a, a scan or something. Or he was I'm going sorry. to, but he was going to hook him up to an MRI. But um, but uh, uh, Mike was like appalled that he would even ask that. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. But okay. he knew because where he if you submitted to an MRI. Yeah, yeah, because he he realized that when the places that got hit were the places that Mike had been. So I think that's how mm -hmm. he knew. He thought that you know there's got to be this is too much of a coincidence. To, uh, to 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 be happening like this, yeah. So, um, but that's next week's show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard okay. to it's hard not to skip around because you're talking about the entire series <laughs> with it. It builds so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So can I ask, can I ask you two guys a question? Yeah, go ahead. Male perspective. How do you guys feel about how Mike and Beth's relationship was throughout this book, this first book? Well, you go. You can start. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've been in a relationship like that back, you know, in my early late teens, early twenties. You're a teenage boy, and you just you follow that one girl that you know that she caters to your ego, and then takes it away a little bit. And it's you know it's, it's like you know now that they give me that you push the like button. She's giving me that little hit of dopamine. It's like oh my god, they liked my post, and oh my god, she said hi to me walking mm -hmm. on the hallway. What does that mean? You know, I, I was in high school. I was so happy a girl even said hi to me. You know, I was a yeah. little skinny, long-haired kid. I'm like, what? She likes me? I'll go out with her. I don't care. You know, she's got one eye. Fine. It's, a, it's whatever. It doesn't matter. She, she's got a pulse. She thinks I'm cute. Okay, I'll go out with her. It's just the way you are back then because you don't know any better. You, you don't realize what self-esteem is. You don't realize what boundaries are. You don't realize what, mm -hmm. uh, you know, self, self-worth is. You just think yeah. you measure yourself by that. So that that part of the story was was rang true to me to a point but it's listen thinking about it now when you're like dude what are you doing he's dicking it along cut it out so I, I would say personally for me i hated that like at, at one point somebody i think when they officially broke up before they went to red rocks which mm -hmm. they didn't break up because they were never actually together right. but paul asked mike were you guys even together and mike was like no and then i think later while they're on the ship Mike is like, I gotta save my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, she's not your fucking girlfriend. Yeah, like, he kept the, the like, love of his life. He kept referring to as it's like I know, like you, know, like you got you got 87 girls in your house right now, like that. Yeah. Like, why are you? <laughs> I, I Deb and Steph, I'd take the two of them over Beth any uh, freaking day. I would have oh. put, put Deb and Steph at a heartbeat. Like yep. those two were writers the entire time. Yeah, the entire time. Especially Steph. I mean, Steph later on in the book, she steps it up with all the other women. You know, Deb mm. kind of falls into her depression a little bit, but Steph was the one that's, you know, listen, you, your champion needs you. Get your ass in gear. You go get bandages. You go get food. You go do that. Stop the in-house bickering. We're all in this together. Let's go. Mm -hmm. so, yep, easily. Mm -hmm. It was sad that she dies. Sorry, it so. was. Spoiler. It was. Spoiler. <laughs> you kind of knew that was going to happen. At the first yeah. read through, I'm like, 
they're setting her up too much, she's not going to make it. And that's just the way it always is. As soon as they had the argument and Mike said he's going to hit her with a stick. Yeah. Then later during that scene, he's like, that's the laugh. I'll always remember Stephanie by. It's like, okay, she's going to die here right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause she didn't put up with the shit. She, she gave it yeah. back to him. She confronted him with everything. And that's what was good about their, I mean, when we say relationship, but their, their bond that they had together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, wasn't Stephanie? Wasn't Stephanie Durgan's girlfriend? Yes, Beyonce. Was I it mean, Beyonce? They went to the you know, concert Deb, together. Deb was there with her fiance. Yeah, Stephanie was her boyfriend. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's another reason why. I mean, she's not a real person, but in my opinion, if she was a real person, because we, 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 we put real life scenarios and you know a movie in our yeah. head when we read these stories and listen to them, that. Durgan was such an asshole, but I think the the rough parts of Mike reminded her of what she liked about Durgan when they were together. Because she said he wasn't always like this. He was a little bit of an ass, but he wasn't, yeah. you know, a, a chauvinist, a womanizer, a murderer, an egotist or anything. I think that was, yeah, I think that was always in there with Durgan. And then the the the, the alien and the, the aliens in the games and the ship and the battle brought that out in him brought out the worst. It either brought out the worst in people or it brought out the best in people. You know, it brought well, out the best in Mike, it brought out the worst in Durgan. It wasn't far from coming out already. Durgan was, if he was that close to the edge already, right. he slipped pretty, he slipped pretty fast. Yeah, he, just, he didn't need I a... I think... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, he didn't really need a good excuse. He just needed an excuse. Yeah. I, think a lot of, I think a lot of times people don't realize that if there wasn't societal constructs on like how you're supposed to act and what you're supposed to do, there'd be a lot more fucking people and murders and shit going on out here. Like, it, like they literally just gave like the, like the aliens just gave freedom yeah. to kill. So yeah. it's like when people are like, oh, I kill and I get rewarded for it. Yeah. I don't have to hide it. I'm supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Like a lot like the 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 rat dude that Mike fought. Like that was just sneaky and ratty and going all over the place. Like creepy. Like he he was excited about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he he had power over stuff. They gave him basic things that were to any lesser of a man would just have them head over heels like, oh, I just have to keep killing to get women food, shelter, and clothes. All right, cool. I'm yeah. cool with it. Let's do it. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> crazy how that is. It's like I'm I'm thinking about it too. It's like I'm looking at what's going over and like in front like with when they have riots and stuff down here. It's like people don't need a, a, a really good reason to be mad. France, they're rioting over the retirement age being raised two years. That's what that whole thing's about. I'm like, that's what you people are, you're smashing windows because of two years. Life what? expectancy is like. 10 years more than when they set it up back in the 70s and you people are pissed about this? This is the battle you pick? Come on. I mean, there's a lot more battles to pick, but hey, he's yeah. everybody's he's got their own thing to do, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's bananas. That's bananas. Yeah. So they're up on the, so they go to Beth and, I mean, kind of backtracking a little bit from just trying to get some semblance of a timeline. Um, Mike and Beth go back and forth with their boyfriend and, you know, break up, make up. Mm-hmm. All of that. Beth asks Mike to go to Red Rocks with him to the concert to see widespread panic. A band I knew nothing about and being a lifelong musician, I'm kind of ashamed of myself, but I'm like, is this a real band? Like, who is this? I'm like, wait, we live in an age where I have everything in my fingertips. Right there. I binge list their entire catalog the next day. <laughs> so um, I'm not as diehard and in, in, in go as, as Mark is about them, but they're pretty good. 
Uh, they go to Red Rocks, which is, if you've never seen Red Rocks or been to Red Rocks, it is probably one of the most gorgeous places to see a show um, in Arizona. It is, or, it's Colorado. It's absolutely gorgeous. And that's the one place that the aliens came and abducted everybody. So it's on my bucket at some point. I want to, to see some show there at some point. Yeah. So my question to you two is, because I asked this in the first episode when we were talking about it, if you were at a concert and aliens came and abducted you and beamed you up, for what would be your the concert that you would be like, all right, I can die because I've seen this group and I'm happy. And another group would be like, shit, will aliens just come take me away? <laughs> oh, my God. Somebody asked me this question at a, a house party a few weeks ago. <laughs> so I, it, it was funny. So <sighs> 90s reggae, like Sean Paul, Burner Boy, all like 90s reggae. Mm-hmm. I'm there for it. Like, I want to hear that gr- that guttural, deep ass, like, reggae music. That's what I want to hear. Man. Like, yeah. All of that. All yep. of that. Like, you got to walk like a champion. Like, I want to hear all of that. Okay. <laughs> like, if, I, if I'm listening to that, yep. you could take me and I'm good. Okay. Like, I'm good for that. But if I'm at, like, some of the shit that these kids are playing now, just fucking kill me. I'm done. <laughs> I, probably, I probably already died a little bit at the concert. So they yeah. probably would have just left me there. Like, that's an inanimate object right there standing. So it's going to be Like, <laughs> Nick, what about you? <laughs> For me, I, I would still kill to see George Strait or Alan Jackson live. Mm. That would be, I've always been a country guy. I've yep. always loved George Strait, Alan Jackson, they're my top two. And I've never, my buddy got to go see George Strait live in Texas, and I was so damn jealous of him. Mm-hmm. That would be the one show that I, if I had to go, I'd be, I'd die happy. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, pretty much like she said, it, anything new. I hate all modern, most modern country, modern rap, modern hip hop. It's all shit. Yeah, yeah. My play, my playlist is like nineties, eighties, early two thousands. After that, no, you can call it a yeah. day. Agreed. I got, I got a quick question on that. Kind of same note. Yep. If you had, if you knew you're going to be abducted into some similar situation, same gladiator mm-hmm. games, what concert would you want to be at? What what crowd do you think you'd have a better chance against? Like if it. <sighs> Um, probably like a, a cl- classical, like going to see like a John Williams. Because every year out in uh, Tanglewood, John Williams, they do uh evening with the uh, John Williams goes to the movies. So it's a big outdoor um, best, uh, concert venue. And John, well, he used to do it. I don't know if he does it anymore. But he'll go to the theater and he'll play his music and they pr- put his movies up on the screen. And it's super duper cool. So I'm thinking like a classical type of concert, I'd have the best chance of uh, advancing in the games because classical music doesn't really attract a lot of, you know, heavy duty dudes. It's definitely going to be like a speed metal, you know, a hardcore. I'm not going to a war concert and going to survive a, uh, a an alien invasion gladiator games. Uh, I think I would go to a Coco Mello concert. I'd fuck all them kids up. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. You heard it here. You're all screwed. Either that or like maybe like a Michael Jackson or something like that. Like they might be a little string because I think I like to enjoy a little bit of music before we go yeah. ahead and fight. But I think maybe like a Michael Jackson concert because those would be like older people. Like not many of the younger people do it and I'm not mm-hmm. much of a fighter. So I think I can deal with like 
the 50, 60 year olds that would want to see like Michael Jackson live, that would like oh. pay, like refinance their house to see that concert. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which in speaking of that, in Mike's first fight, he says about he's talking fighting an old guy. You know, yeah. the guy was 52 or something like guard. that. I'm like, yeah. screw you, old. What are you talking about, old? All right. <laughs> yeah. He's also three months. We ain't what old like, yet. What? Yeah. It's like the old guy. I'm like, fuck you, you bitch. What the hell you are you bastard. talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can write out. Give a bit of credit. Yeah. Probably wouldn't change if you wrote it now. <laughs> oh, when we were 20, 40 was over the hill. You know, oh, yeah. like back in the 80s, we had my dad's 40th birthday. We got him a cane and, you know, with the horn on it and a bag of diapers and all this stuff. And I was like, 40 ain't over the hill now. That's, that's crazy. Seriously. I remember watching those infomercials where they were like, you have to be 21 or over to purchase this random yeah. ass product. And I couldn't wait to be fucking 21 or 18. Now <laughs> I'm just like, damn, I miss those days. Those are nice. Yeah. Nice <laughs> oh, that would be so, that would just be a beautiful thing. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so we get to the point, um, each time you fight, you get a spoil, which is a woman, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. to your thing, which when, when I'm listening to the whole thing, it's the Genogerian, or the Progerians are a race of aliens that are similar to what the dinosaurs were back in the day. And the comet didn't hit the Earth and didn't have the life-ending um, effect that it had. So they evolved. And mm -hmm. the Progerians went one way, and the Genogerians went another way. Mm -hmm. uh, Cro-Magnon Man and Neanderthal Man, I think, believe as mm -hmm. you put it. And, and they're talking about... Uh, oh, so after each fight, the gladiator games, each guy gets a woman as a spoil, which is an ancient barbaric type of ritual that they used to have. And my thought on that was, well, if the progerians are so advanced in their thinking and their technology, they have such a, but they still have that archaic barbaric thought in their head where men have to fight to the death and women are trophies for men you know but, but, um, oh that's what they thought of us right because yeah. mm -hmm. okay. early on in the book they're talking how their distance from earth they're seeing broadcasts from like the early 90s or something on those lines mm -hmm. so that's what the progerians would have thought of us at that time even though 30 years later we've come come a long ways but they would have seen something on TV that would have portrayed something along those lines. So that's what they thought we were at that stage. So I think that's where the spoils came in at that point. It's like, this is how primitive they are. Yep. Let's watch that. Right. Is what life in the seventies yeah. was like. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think I would also say for, for like that aspect, they are primitive in some of their mindsets because they're honestly, their lack of emotion was honestly their downfall. Like at the end of the, at the end of the day, right? If you can all trace it back to them not having empathy, sympathy, or compassion for other people or other species or other, or basically not giving a fuck about nobody but themselves. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's like I'm like yeah. And something else that I realized that was crazy. They go so hard with saying that they can't lie, but if you notice in this book when they gave a transmission to um the the spaceship that came up aboard and um and uh, uh did the nuke them mm -hmm. they lied they lied on their transmission that they said that they sent to them oh yeah what did they say in the transmission I, I they basically said like um uh any well, any um like uh that they abducted the people so the people can 
can um, observe them. Oh, that's you know, right. That part. Okay. Yes. So they completely fuck. Yeah, they completely bypass that and lie. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't understand why y'all, why you guys are going so hard saying that you can't lie. But also, what they were saying, like their lack of like emotion and understanding, they couldn't fathom that somebody smaller and nowhere near as powerful as them could survive a war against them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but you're not taking into consideration all the emotions that come behind it. Like a man that loses their wife and kids, shit, a man that loses their dog, John Wick, will go to the end of the world to mm-hmm. seek revenge. Like that's one man and one dog. You're talking yep. about you're killing families and stuff. They yep. didn't take that into consideration. And that, that ultimately was their demise. Yeah. On a side For note, a John Wick 4 was awesome. I didn't see it yet. Oh, it's so good. So good. We saw it uh, Sunday night. We went sold out theater. It was packed. And I'm still on the mindset that people, I mean, people are gross to begin with. People are just sneezing. They don't clean the theaters anymore. I'm like, this is a really nice theater with leather reclining chairs, fucking popcorn all over it. Somebody left their soda bottle in the thing. And the guy next to me Uh, dunk and he was coughing uh, all the time. I'm like, come on, dude. All right. All right, Mike. All right, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Uh, I don't know what people are catching, what they got. So. Yeah, no, I feel you. Last but yeah, it was, was a great movie. Definitely worth are. seeing. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Last... What would you say, Mike? Nick? Sorry. I can't wait to see it. It's one, yeah. John was one of the few action movies recently that have been yeah. awesome. So It has probably three of the longest action sequences in any movie ever and probably some of the best of them. You know, I put her up that um, episode two of Daredevil on Netflix when they did the hallway scene, which is just one shot, and he fights like nineteen guys all in one one shot. That was probably one of the best action scenes until you see John Wick, and they do what's could they do like an aerial shot of him going around a house blowing guys away. It looks like a video game, like an old school <laughs> Atari wow. video game, like Nintendo video game, and it's oh, all yeah. one shot the way they did it, or it looks like it's one shot, um, but it was just. I mean, even my my wife, who's not she's a she's an action fan, which is like, all right, this is really cool. It looks like a video game, nice. you know. So nice. yeah, it, but it was awesome. It was such a good movie. So go go see it. Well, John Wick's what got me into three gun stuff like that. Like that's why, like I've always been, I've been shooting my entire life. Mm-hmm. But after watching John Wick, I'm like watching the kind of the training he was doing with Terry and Tactical and stuff like that. I'm like, that's yeah, something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Of course, my my prime minister screwed all that up before us up here. <laughs> Damn Trudeau. Uh, you don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh a lot of gun firing and gun everything in this movie. So <laughs> nice. I will say th- there's one funny scene. It's it hasn't anything to do with the, the thing, but he, how he has the um the the bulletproof suits that they build him mm-hmm. at the oh, yeah. end. Well, that the last scene of the movie, he takes off his jacket and you just hear all the bullets hitting the ground. As he's oh my off. god! And you just, I you start that. chuckling about it, like, "All right, this is good." You know, they even yeah. addressed that. You know, so it was like, "Bravo!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, so the the gladiator games go on. They get Mike's gets the spoils now. Durgan starts a trend with all the other some of the other a holes that we talked about a little mm-hmm. bit earlier. That yeah. He starts raping and then killing the women. Um, He only wants the queen, the goddess of the games, which we find out is Beth. Beth is the goddess of the games, which, you know, again, 
what the hell? Why is she so special? But okay. So, and so when Mike starts, some of the other uh, combatants start to do that too. So when the girls come to Mike, they're all worried that he's going to kill him. And it's up to Steph and Deb to relay that message that no, Mike's going to take care of you. You know, that's not what mm-hmm. he's like. He just wants to get back to Beth. Mm-hmm. But he's building a relationship with Deb. You know, they're sleeping together. They're they're kind of boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, they're, they're work wife and husband, so to speak. But then Deb knows that if Mike wins, she wants him to win because she wants to live. But if Mike wins, he's going to get back together with Beth. Yeah. Not going to lie. that The whole raping and killing part, that almost made me put the book down first yeah. time. And it wasn't, I powered through just on the fact I wanted to see Mike kill these bastards like that was what i'm gonna read through it just so i can get to that part but afterwards i loved it but that was a hard part to listen to because i have no tolerance for that kind of thing in my life but yeah Mm, bravo sir but i think that that also like kind of spurred him on more because it's 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 one thing to fight for your life Mm -hmm. it's another thing to be um intentionally cruel and and painful and hurtful and then entertain your captors for whatever grandiose reason you're thinking in your head. So I think that once I kind of got that concept of it, I'm like, yeah, Mike's gonna fuck Durgan up. Like I don't <laughs> care. Like that. That's gonna be a fight I want to fucking watch. Like for real, for yep. real. And it's it's just like that to me. Like I like I, I hated the torment and everything. And even I think there was another <laughs> there was another contender as well who just enjoyed torturing women. Like he broke her arm and her leg and kicked their legs backwards. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that, yeah. other, that other contestant in there. And it's just, it's just showing that like, you know what you like, I think it kind of showed Mike's um true heart. You know what I mean? Like he even said in the beginning, like he's, a, he, he deemed himself a lover. He's like, I don't even know if I'm that good, if I'm that good of a lover. Like I just deem myself as a lover, yeah. but it's like for him to see those, that amount of atrocity happening to somebody who again was put into the situation and, not even the alien killed them. You fucking did. Yeah, like, nah, that's... you gotta go down. So I think that really just showed more of his character of who he is, and that spurred him on even more. It definitely makes you root for him more that mm-hmm. he's doing that. You know, he's being a good guy, and it, it's 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 setting the scene for when he does fight Durgan or whoever he fights. If that guy is mean to his his women or his spoil, as they put it, you want him to die. You know, you root. You know, you don't say you root for human somebody to kill another human being, but you're like, no, that dude's a dick. He, he deserves yeah. to die. You know? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Flips, how, how, how bad are you going to kill him? Yep. On the flip side, when he has to kill the guys who he knows takes care of their spoils, mm-hmm. it makes it even more emotional, right? I think it was one of the Timmons, the second one he has mm-hmm. to kill. Yeah. Says, Mr. Talbot, I know it's either you or me. You got a better chance. Take care of my women. Yeah. That was. Mm-hmm. It just made that whole scene a lot more emotional than it would have been mm-hmm. other than just it was just a normal fight. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they go back to the house or the they come they bring them back, uh, this is another one, but this is where Steph first co- steps up to the plate where they're all you know, he keeps calling him Mike keeps calling him Timmons and you know, they're shouting out his first name. I can't remember what it was, but they really liked him and now it's you know, Steph says, would you rather have gone to one of the other combatants, you know, that, that kills you, or would you rather be here? Because he's protecting you. He's giving you, you know, the, technically the roof under his, his head for the place to stay, the place to be safe in a community with all other women. Yeah. Which is nice. 
<laughs> agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But I found it interesting um, after the games were going on that they took them on a tour. They took the victors on a tour of the ship. Mm -hmm. And they're so confident and so cocky and arrogant in their ways that they don't think the puny humans are going to be able to do anything. They tell them everything about the ship, about their technology, about their way of life. And they ask them, to, you know, they ask, do you have any questions? That was one of my favorite parts of the entire book. Yeah. Because going in, I knew the stupid questions that even today people would ask. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you How do you poop? Yeah. yeah. Like you have this society of people who were way more advanced than we are. And you know, all the idiots out there would just be asking the dumbest shit imaginable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think he said the one guy that he was fighting actually asked about religion. And that was the kind yeah, of. Yeah. Do you believe in God? Yeah, that was like the one smart question for what, like 30 guys? Yeah. Like that was pathetic. Come on. Yeah. yeah. That was the Italian guy that Mike fought in the next, yeah. uh, in the next round, asked if they believed in God. And it's like, they don't even know what God is, you know? They're yeah. totally alien race. It's, it's so different for them. It's the human aspect. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's nothing. There's no depth to it. Like, you're literally talking to a bunch of men that have, like, their, their mind is going to just killing. Mm -hmm. Like usually, you don't, usually you don't have brain and brawn in the same in the same uh, body. So yeah. it's like you like it's like I I get why he asked the questions, which was awesome. But then it's like the only question that even made like any. I don't think I think Mike was the only one who was thinking how to how do I get out of here. Yeah, everybody was like I'm set. I'm already here. I'm eventually yeah. gonna die. So I'm just gonna take it. And Mike's like, Nah, I need to know more about what the hell is going on. And that ultimately helps him steal the plane. Mm -hmm. I mean the the shit. Yeah. Because if he wouldn't ask that question, he would have never known that the the supreme dude was trying to get a a, a guard on the ship with him. Mm -hmm. So it's like yeah. he he was he was actually working the story with him. So yeah, that's a good point. So and then um after a few more fights, Mike gets out of his cell again or his apartment. I guess they were calling it his house or apartment or whatever it was. But it started upgrading from like cell to like yeah. room to house, efficiency, apart. Like it started going up mm -hmm. and up and up. Cribs with Mike Talbot on the alien spaceship. Fact. Fact. <laughs> I'd watch that episode. Yeah. <laughs> but he ends up getting out and you find out that one of the guys that comes and lets Mike out and takes him around the ship, that they're betting on them. That yeah. it's this is a game to them. It's not just for fun. This guy has won a shitload of money on Mike because Mike has always been the underdog. And Mike always finds a way to come out on top, no matter what the situation is. And, and Mark does this in all of his stories that, you know, he could be hanging by his pinky toe off a balcony with sharks down the bottom. And Mike would find a way to, you know, to, lift himself up, get out of the sharks and, you know, beat everybody up and, and get out. That's just his personality. That's just the way Mike is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what he finds out about the Supreme command of the shuttles. And, you know, they go into the backstory about how, you know, they were evolved from the dinosaurs back on their planet and that what their actual intention is to come to earth, to take it over, to make the humans, their slaves, food and food. It's similar to the Gen Genogerians, so that's when Mike finds out that the Progerians and the Genos are not fully equally kind of new in the back of his mind that they weren't the way the 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 Krulak would talk about them. But 
now realizes that the Genos are the slaves of the Progerians and they do their will. They do their fighting. They're the grunts that they sent out to do battle. And this is what they're going to start doing with the humans now. They're going to send them out to fight. And Mike finds out that if he's the champion, what happens if he wins? That he's going to have to go out to other countries and other planets, excuse me, and, and fight. You know, he's yeah, going to be toted as the Earth champion. Yeah. Which I think would be hilarious because they're probably the smallest ones that they have. Uh, he he yeah. couldn't, you know, he, he can't beat the the, the Genos because they're huge. They're going to send him to one planet to to fight what? And, you know, is he going to die or does he know this in the back of his mind? Like, what is he thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... I would like to see a fight between a, a Gino and Durgan. I'm curious as to how that would actually turn out. Well, you saw it in the in the book, uh, Durgan just knocked out one of the Genos and wait, tore his head off or snapped his neck when Mike yeah. took the Supreme Commander. Mm-hmm. He was going against somebody like your baby, like who was actually a fighter. Like I'm just curious to what the difference. Oh, that would have been that would be awesome. I yeah. think I think D would have just. He would have just like plucked him. Like, Go ahead. Like- <laughs> yeah, D would destroy Dirk. I would have. That would be a great scene to see. See when Mike when when Mark writes the new series, that's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, find a way to bring back Durgan, and you know, in 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 D just rips him apart. Yeah, Mike. I would also say I would also say with the with the crew uh, lag taking Mike around and just telling him all that information. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that kind of blows my mind is that they think that the humans are so stupid that I can tell I can literally tell you my plan and it doesn't matter. Like yeah. you're not gonna do any, you're not gonna do anything about it. They're like and James like, Bond villains. Exactly. You know? yeah. They give right. away the whole ending, they tell you everything they're gonna do and there's no and way they, in hell that you're gonna get out of the situation. Like and I think that just shows how how ridiculously little they think of humans. Like they there was like I, I think Mike even said like two or three times throughout the conversation that Krulak looked shocked or confused that he was like, Yeah, you should be honored to be in my presence. I'm way smarter than you. Yeah. Or you should be honored that you're gonna be on my plate. Like you're delicious. There are some people like, like that <laughs> still. <laughs> Not just progerians, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. Um yeah. and you know, so- yeah, go ahead. either of you pick up on it. What happened to the Russians and the Chinese that were also abducted? That's one thing I, I've read through the series three or four times. At the same time Mike was abducted from Red Rocks, mm-hmm. there was a ship in Russia and in China that also abducted people. But we never heard of him, Mike having to fight an Asian guy or a Russian guy. So I'm just curious what happened with those as well. Is, what what did, did you read? I don't, remember I don't think they picked any. What I read, what I, I, mean, I got in my notes is from what the Americans uh, General said that they deployed three ships. One came yeah. down the Red Rock and it took the people up, and the other two stood guard. No, because even Paul, I think, mentions in I can't if it's late in the first book or maybe in the second one that they abducted people from Russia and China as well. Because hmm. they took there thousands, are- thousands of people, not just a few thousand from Red Rocks. Well, consider this. They probably were eating them because if they put all of the Americans that they got from Red Rocks in the games, which Mike said was about 10,000, mm-hmm. but then all the women were spoils from that game. That takes care of everybody from Red Rocks. But months later, after uh, when uh, Kulag is taking them for a walk through the um, thing, or no, when they were taking all the um, warriors 
for a walk, they were eating humans. They saw that they were eating humans. Yeah, oh, yeah, the trough. The shit so. hanging off. Yeah, so they might have just been eating them. They were having Chinese for dinner. So Yeah. I just I wasn't sure if I missed something or maybe somebody else picked up on something I didn't, but No, I didn't pick up on that part. So I don't have to shit. Now I gotta go listen to it again for a fourth time. Right near the end of the first book, you're right in the beginning of the second one. Paul's talking to somebody, he mentions that they did abduct from Russia and China as well. Not to listen for that a little more thoroughly yeah, then. Too. Good point. So but there's also a um you find out too that a little bit of back and forth with the military that there's a it's not a rescue shuttle at by any means but there's a shuttle with a 10 times stronger nuclear bomb going out to the mothership or the, the whatever the ship is that they're on it's like the julipian is the name of the ship that uh that mike's on the guardian the um the no what's they call that the one the that the americans want the guardian was the ones that the americans were on when after the, in the later on in the series they renamed it, but I think it was the Julipian that the the Progerians named it, or they maybe didn't okay. have a name. I don't know. But there's a shuttle going out there with a nuke on it, and the guys that are on the ship know that it's a one way mission. You know, they Liberation. know liberate. Yes, thank you. They know there's no way in hell that they're gonna that they're coming back. You know, they say their goodbyes. It's kind of like in uh, you know the Armageddon or those the 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 asteroid movies you know that that came out back uh, in the early 2000s you know they all say goodbye to their families but they're being monitored the transmissions are being monitored so the aliens the 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 genos uh progerians sorry not genos progerians have the ability to tra to intercept and translate our transmission so everything that they're saying is is being done and that's when they bring it aboard the ship and that's when they you find out that they lied that they said, yeah. oh, no, we're just we're, we're observing people. Yeah. And I will also add to that, again, their lack of emotion and not understanding it mm -hmm. is how they, they they didn't pick up on the concept that they were saying goodbye. Yeah. Because yeah, like, even talked about how the humans are so stupid. Mm -hmm. that they're just talking, talking about, about football. football. <laughs> He's talking like, about <laughs> like, you didn't notice the wife was crying. And couldn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> she was very sad about that game. I know, like, why would you care about that? Like, like they, like, it, it's crazy because they think they're so intelligent they wouldn't right. question themselves. Yeah, they like, definitely underestimate humans. And you would say that, excuse me, in later books that um, you know they weren't expecting it to take this long to take us over. We gave them humans gave the the progerians the biggest trouble taking over yeah. the planet since the strivers. I think they said right. Yep. Yeah, and that's the first time you hear about the Strivers, but you don't hear about the Strivers again until book four. Right, three. The three, three or four, or four three. when they come out. Whenever he meets BT. When they're talking, no, uh, they Probably talk three. about book two. Mm -hmm. Right when they introduce Drababen to the public. Yep. They about the Striver champion before. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you physically meet a striver yeah. and you see what exactly a striver is in i'm not gonna lie i would love i would love to see a depiction of that but there ain't i'm sorry there ain't no way in hell i'm fighting a fucking striver <laughs> i i'm sorry i'd rather go against Dravavon than go against a fucking striver i i have a thing with spiders and if i would yeah. saw one of those motherfuckers leap nope no i just found out tarantulas fucking hissed no thank you there ain't no way there ain't no way there, I mean, getting the same ship with them things? No. 
Nope. But they do. I will say, if they do a live action of Indian Hill, they better include the scene where BT looks for a spider penis. They better do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. scenes in in all of Mark's writing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was definitely great. I'm not going to lie. I was wondering how they were going to bring BT into the mix because I think my wife um, listened to the series before me and I heard BT in it while I was still on ZF. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how are they going to bring him in? And it's like, of course. I was like, just from the from the get-go, like, he's just like, I don't know why, but I got to stick by your side, man. And I'm yep. like, that is great. I didn't even... I, I had forgotten about BT as the series goes on because he doesn't come in until three or four and i'm just like all right maybe he's not and this is only the second series i originally was zombie followed i went zombie followed to indian hill and then i started in all of his mark's other stories i didn't realize mm-hmm. that he was going to bring back the same characters over and over you know into the the, the trip diverse that he has where all the characters intersect with each other so i heard bt's voice granted it was sean's voice doing bt but i was like yeah, yeah bt's here that's awesome <laughs> i was yeah, excited if you listen to, um, and I'm sorry, this is like way off topic, but if you listen to the Lycan series, um, the end Lycan series goes into uh, further depth of why all the characters keep surrounding Mike and all of his multi-universes. Yeah. Which I love. The, we get the fat BT in uh, the, the Shrouded World series. <laughs> I, which is why I wanted to read it. Like my wife was telling me about it, and I'm like, "Oh my! I want to get to that part, but it's so hard. I don't. I, I don't even think I got halfway through the first book. I really <laughs> well, try. Now, like, now you got to li- now you got to go through it and listen. So there is Seriously. that one part of Shrouded World where Trip breaks it down because I'm on Trip's home planet or whatever world he's from or dimension, and Trip breaks down the entire spectrum of everything as to why Mike is this and why this happens and how this happens and why this happens. And then you're like, Oh shit. Okay. This gets real. He tells you, he does. He explains the entire thing. Can you just yeah, send me where that part that. is in the book? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to listen to it again. We're not, we're not getting to, Shroud, to, to shrouded world. I think until March, till May. So it'd be a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so, love that. Love that. Um, so just wrapping things up, the, 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 the freedom, tri- not the freedom. Tri- what was the 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 the, the shuttle? Liberation. Yes. Liberation. Liberation gets on board, blows up, destroys heart. Not even a hole of the ship. While Mike, before he goes to fight Durgan, was he fainting? Like he 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 pretends that he fainted or he wasn't going to do it no, or something, just, and just gave up. Yeah. Just, you know what? If you if you're gonna if you want me to go there, carry me. I'm not gonna on a show for you do you think he would have beaten durgan though like legit beaten durgan hell no i don't know i don't think sorry no i I agree not only was his heart not into it i feel like even if he tried to get his heart into it like there durgan was literally hopped up on gogo juice and whatever Mm. the fuck else the aliens wanted to give him like even though even though even though mike has been really outmatched like there's been a lot of either balls in his face for him to bite or or just a trip or a pillow in his back or something. Like there was something, an edge for him to be able to exploit that. When mm-hmm. it came to Durgan, like Durgan just wanted to just just fucking kill him. Like he yeah. just that's all he wanted to do was keep on killing. And I think that the only reason 
um, he eventually did win was because he wanted to make a show. He wanted it to be more of a grandiose show. Like, I yeah. think if the first time, it would have been fast, quick, and to the point, just like every other bout. But yeah. I think because of all the chaos that Mike had caused when they had a chance again, Durgan wanted to make it the biggest, best fucking show ever. And he took his time, and that was his downfall. Mm-hmm. His ego got in the way at the end of the day. Oh, big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Doesn't matter how strong, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. And um, I think Durgan was just so pickhead. Like, he's like, I want to give my masters the best show ever. Mm-hmm. And that's what, he, that's what he was trying to do. And it's just that, again, that was his downfall. He fucked up. So I think, though, if Durgan won, he deserves Beth. Because she probably would have yeah. made his life a living yeah. hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let him have him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I almost wish Mike would have left her there. Save all the girls. Bro, from me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me but, too. Like, he should have. But I think at the end of the day, if it wasn't for Beth, I don't think he would have tried to escape. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he would have fought as hard either. I think he would have just mm-hmm. rolled over and died, but he knew that Beth was out there for some reason. He The whole the whole thing he's, when he's fighting is like, is she seeing me? I want her to see me, but I don't want her to see what I've done. And, mm-hmm. which, which again... Fuck you, Beth, because this is like, <laughs> this is like, this is like, um, back in the day, like, I'm going to go and fight for your honor. Like, yeah. this, like he, he did all that for you, and yeah. you're still like. And then she judges him and gets pissed at him about the whole this thing. You're going to judge me for trying to survive? Like, right. what? I couldn't, I couldn't. No, that's what I, I think from that rip, I'm just saying, yeah, bitch, fuck you. Like, you're, you're not even, you're not even on the team. And then what pissed me, I feel like the moment that really pissed me off with Beth, Mm-hmm. Is when they're when they're escaping, and uh, Mike tells Beth to grab a gun, and she's like, "You know, I don't like guns." Yeah, it's like, no, the now's the time. To, whether you like guns or not, this is the time to get one. <laughs> this is not the time. This is not the time nor the place. Like right. we will repent afterwards. Like this is not the time or place. Yeah. Like, you you can rally yeah, and go, you know, go protest on the college campus. You know, after, but you don't like guns. But you're an alien vessel, and I'm about to save your ass. You you you, you at that moment, here. let's go. Yep, at that moment, I would have left and grabbed Deb. Like, let's go. Deb is Steph. Let's go. We're out. We're not mm-hmm. doing this. What were you going to say, Nick? I lost it. Never mind. No, okay. Never mind. So. <laughs> Sorry. It was there. No so Wasn't- they end up getting was- off the ship. Uh, they they get, Mike kidnaps the Supreme Commander because he knows that they're going to do whatever he says. And he tries to trick Mike into thinking to get, like you said before, to get a guard mm-hmm. on the ship. But Mike knows they don't need a guard on the ship to do it. Again, proving that we're not just stupid humans, but they think that we're dumber than we actually are and that they're underestimating the human race in, in, in how good we can fight, how bad, how much we can think and how our ability to adapt and do things are. Mm-hmm. Um, they steal the <laughs> ship and they head home. Oh, sorry. Even when like, Mike asked how long it would take for, like, if he could learn to fly the shuttle if something happened to the commander. Mm-hmm. The commander is so arrogant. Yeah. So even after months of training, you still couldn't even comprehend the controls. Yeah. It's like, humans, but later on in the series, humans obviously adapt the technology. It's like, we're not that stupid, guys. Right. Come on. Yeah. They end up flying the big ships, making them better, doing more to it. You know, our puny human brain. You know, mm-hmm. a little bit brighter than you think, but not all yeah. of us are as bright as you think. There are some out there that are, 
you know, pretty fucking stupid. But there are some that are pretty, you know, you don't ask to, don't estimate people in, in the ability of their will. So. Yeah. And their determination is just fucking live. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. At any cost. So, yeah. Uh, final thoughts. What do you guys, um, what, 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 what's your, your, your main takeaway from this, from book one that, that you got out of it, Amber? Uh, book one. Loved how quickly it got into the action. Um, loved the the emotional depths that come from Mike and building his relationships with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that it ended that you, it's not so much of a cliffhanger that you absolutely need to go and buy the second book like right then and there, but it's enough of a cliffhanger where it's like, okay, they did land. They're good. They're mm-hmm. ready to step off. Now they're ne- like, it, it literally feels like a next chapter. So it's like you're like you kind of want to flow into the next book, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. I hate when books leave you on a cliffhanger, like, and he shot the gun, and what happened next? It, like, <laughs> it didn't do that. You know what I mean? Which I absolutely loved about it. So it, like, it was just well read, well versed, and it made me just ready and willing to see what else, what else happens. Nick, what about you? For me, I like seeing it because you could definitely tell it was one of Mark's earlier books. So he's still learning as a writer, coming into his own, but also just as a younger writer, how awesome of a book it still was. Like there are books out there written by newer authors that you can definitely tell. But in this one, it's not, yeah, I write it off because it was his first book, whatever. Mm -hmm. No, like I think it's of all the books that he's written, I think it's the strongest first one personally. Just because it does a better job of building those relationships, showing up in like in Zombie Fall, it's only between Mike and his family for the most part. A little bit of Paul, that's about it. This it's just cool how it goes from the relationship with his mother because they touch on that in Zombie Fall, but not near as much. Yeah. So it goes relationship like the poor relationship with his mother. The fact his dad wasn't around. Um, his brother, like he was younger, a lot younger than his brothers and sisters, so he was kind of the forgotten child for the most part which was different than the than df mm-hmm. yeah and so i just thought it was a cool experience in general like i in my opinion it's one of his best books to date yeah no, Even though it me was too. Yeah, he talks about it he says in the beginning that mike has three brothers and and a sister yeah mm-hmm. who's the third brother i know there's ron glenn. gary who's glenn. the third glenn glenn yeah. Why do I not remember a Glenn? Yeah, yeah, I don't, he only right. comes up the only time he comes up in in Indian Hill is when I can't what the general's talking to him, they're talking in the base, like after they're being quarantined. Mm-hmm. He talks about how his mother died. But then he brings up that Gary and Ron are working construction and Glenn helps them out every now and then. He, but he's also a mechanic for an air an airport. In Zombie Fallout, he's dead. That's why Gary, he's Gary's twin. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm remembering that now. Yeah, that kind of threw me off guard. What we did. It's like, I'm like, is this like, you know, Chuck and Happy Days where they had a, an older brother in the first series and then they never talk about him ever again and he's gone? You know, yeah. not, all, not all everybody's going to know what the hell I'm talking about because that's a really old school reference. But yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, they moved the front yeah. door from the left side of the house to the right side of the house, and they only have two kids now. And you know, Chuck's gone. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think Glenn ever comes up again in Indian Hill. Mm-hmm. They make a couple. Like Gary mentions them a couple times in Zombie Fallout, but Indian Hill is like never. Yeah, they always like, talk about the two brothers, like the one brother that's in the militia, and then the other brother that goes and visits Mike at his dad's house. Yeah, right. All right, good. So I'm, their not, fam- so I'm not crazy. Yeah, their brother and sisters are just like not in this book at all, like barely in there at all. No, sister definitely has a um a bigger part in uh in Fallout than everything else. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but, so thank you guys for uh for coming on and, and talking about Indian Hill. It's it's my favorite story too, definitely. And I like it. I like the story because it's um I like the character building now more than that I did the first time I read it. It's mm-hmm. uh it's an underdog story. It definitely sets the tone for who mike is and who the character is and i think it's a little more that this book is the most mark that there is because it was his first story he wrote it in college and then he re you know he added stuff in afterwards um but he was just going to make it that one book it that was going to be it zombie it was going to be uh indian hill you know even before zombie fallout he wasn't going to do a second book there wasn't going to be anything so how he continued it and it went on was was great i loved it Mm-hmm. so um yeah so that's that's why i think it's 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 my favorite even though it came out after zombies but it's definitely i think it's it's the true more true to life true to who mark is as a writer in in my opinion that's that's what i like about it so i would I like agree the I, books yeah i would agree and i think that there's there's more action than and um less uh thought processes than there are in like df Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a lot of like what Mike is thinking, and this one is like a lot more of what Mike's doing. Yeah, definitely. So, but well, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And um, I got space on the other shows. I mean, I don't have any space on on book two, but three, four, five, and six. There's still some room if you guys want to come back on and and discuss the other stories. We'd definitely love to have you back sometime. Heck yeah, that. That and like and fallout. Let me know because I love I love like check the um. Are you on the 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 Facebook? Have you followed yeah. the Facebook page yet? I am, yeah. I uh, created yeah, a page. I... I created a page. It's got the schedule up on it of what we're going to talk about pretty much until June. Oh, you got to send that to me then because I think I just randomly saw your your post on Facebook and I was like, oh yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> the basically Chronicles of Michael Talbot. Uh, the podcast Facebook page, just go and like it okay. or follow it or whatever. And you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to spam the shit out of Mark's page, you know, every day to try to get people to come on or talk about stuff and just keep his thing his. And this will be for the show. And you know, as it as it starts to build, put more announcements and things like that. So, gotcha, gotcha, absolutely. Thank you guys very much. I really appreciate you coming on. You, uh, you both have been great, and you have a good night. Thanks Thank you. Well. All right. Yeah. Bye. See you later. You have been listening to the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. Copyright 2023 by Chestnut Hill Studios. Our theme song, Zombie vs. Aliens, was written brilliantly by Burnt Ends. The Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast, is a production of Chestnut Hill Studios, and no part of this production can be reproduced, reproducted, rewind, remixed, remastered without the express written consent of Chestnut Hill Studios. 
and is punishable by FCC law and being called a big, fat, stupid doo-doo head. The show was written, produced, hosted, mastered, and edited by Jeff Royd's technical advisor, Mary Napoli. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It does help other people find the show. Thank you very much for listening, and as always, if you have not done so, download or buy the books of Mark Tufo. You will not regret it. Well, you might regret it. I don't want to make false promises. I can't, you know, I don't know everybody's taste or anything like that, but just go do it. Thank you.